Hi, I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Welcome to my show, America Can We Talk. Today we're going to talk about Trump's boldness at the Louisiana rally. Can't wait to tell you that. America, the blue versus red future. Very deep dive on that. And then California as America's future. And finally, media where truth is still spoken. And I'll tell you why these stories matter to you. Stay tuned. Debbie Georgiatis, host of America Can We Talk, is an author, attorney, and political analyst whose mission is to inspire the American political conversation about preserving liberty in the best country on earth. America Can We Talk is sponsored by GC Works, a Dallas-based company performing advanced technology research in the oil and gas industry. Hello again and welcome to America Can We Talk. I'm Debbie George Addis. In today's First Five, I want to talk with you about the rally President Trump held in Louisiana last night. President Trump addressed, again, a massive sold-out crowd in a big venue. And as usual, his energy the entire time was just kind of, it's just an uh, amazing thing to behold, his ability to be high energy day after day, often with numerous events in one day. But yesterday he addressed something that relates to the uh, whistleblower whose alleged whistleblower complaint supposedly launched the entire impeachment effort in Washington. And we've talked about this, this whistleblower before. He hasn't been formally identified. He's been identified, and I've said his name on the show before, but he's still um, still supposedly anonymous. And the whistleblower was the one who supposedly was concerned about the conversation between President Trump uh, and the Ukrainian President Zelensky in July of this year. And this whistleblower just thought this was a horrible thing, and then there was a, you know, wrongdoing, quid pro quo, whatever. He went through a whole long blather. As it turned out, the whistleblower wasn't even there, didn't hear the conversation, and Trump surprised the left and the media by putting the entire transcript of the conversation out, which makes clear that Trump didn't really say anything wrong. Yet Congress ongoing on this whistleblower's complaint have launched now, actually Monday they're saying, starting next week they're going to have the official beginning of open impeachment hearings. And so the left is intent on this, and this, remember, started from the supposed whistleblower's complaint. So I want to ask Matt, the very wonderful producer, to bring up, if he could, this clip of President Trump. It's a little bit lengthy, like three minutes or whatever, two or three minutes, from his speech in Louisiana at the rally last night. I want to talk to you why it's so significant, but play it if you would. But Democrats must be accountable for their hoaxes and for their crimes. Now, corrupt politicians, Nancy Pelosi, and shifty Adam Schiff. And the crooked media have launched the deranged, delusional, destructive, and hyperpartisan impeachment witch hunt. Now we go again. Except a lot of things have happened because, you know, I don't know if you saw, I just got off, I'm coming off the plane, and they hand me, look at this character. Okay, they just hand me this story. Coup has started, whistleblower's attorney said, in 2017. You know when that was? That was a long time ago. It's all a hoax. They say January 2017, a coup has started, and the impeachment will follow, ultimately. It's all a, it's all a hoax. It's a scam. And you know who helps them? These people right back here, the media. 
And then it said, oops, the light's going to go off. The CNN light is going to go off. It said, from the lawyer, a sleazeball. It said, I predict at CNN will play a key role in at real Donald Trump. Not finishing out his first time. Can you believe this? This is all, and this was done a long time ago. Then he goes, as one falls, two more will take their place, referring to outgoing Trump administration employees, who, by the way, have been put through hell by the sleaze back there and by crooked politicians. Now, I have to tell you, folks, people who do not like President Trump are critical of his demeanor, his style of speaking, his aggressiveness, would listen to that clip and say, see what we mean? How could you support a president who speaks that way? He spoke in a rally at a national televised event, you know, called a lawyer a sleazeball, called leading prominent Democrats in the U.S. House, uh, demeaned them, criticized them. But I have to tell you, it's why his followers and supporters love him. I want to really just zero in on, hone in on why it's so important that he said what he said. The whistleblower came up with this story, which now you realize that Adam Schiff is saying, no, the whistleblower, he doesn't have to testify. He never has to be, his identity never has to be revealed. So he can be an anonymous, take down the president by a whistleblower complaint when he had nothing at all, no firsthand knowledge of any kind about the conversation. But what, tr what President Trump was pointing out in that rally is that the lawyer who is speaking to the media about the whistleblower, the lawyer is known, a guy named Mark Zaid, the attorney for this Ukrainian whistleblower guy. I hate to even give him the uh, honor of calling him a whistleblower because that's not really what he is. He really did not come across information being hidden and expose it. And he, certainly at this point, it's been exposed entirely. So this is just a, a partisan hack, a left winger who, if it is who everyone thinks it is, has a long history of hating Trump and working with Biden and, work, and, and meeting ahead of time with Adam Schiff. But back to what Trump said at the rally, President Trump is pointing out that the w attorney for the whistleblower was tweeting at the beginning of 2017, just as President Trump took office after winning the election November 2016, President Trump is taking office, and this lawyer tweeted, uh, first tweeted, um, the hashtag coup has started, hashtag impeachment will follow. He also, as you heard President Trump allude to, he, this lawyer for the whistleblower, tweeted, I predict at CNN will play a key role in at real Donald Trump not carrying out, not finishing out his full term as president. We will get rid of him. The lawyer for the whistleblower tweeted in 2017, July of 2017, we will get rid of him. And this country is strong enough to survive, even him and his supporters. So this lawyer, who's now supposedly doing the lawyer job representing the whistleblower, was out in early 2017 saying, we're gonna find a way to get rid of him. This is how you have to see the entire impeachment process. The impeachment process, as I've said in the show before, has nothing at all to do with President Trump and his conversation with Ukrainian President Zelensky or his entire relationship with between President Trump and the U.S. and Ukrainian President Zelensky. The impeachment has nothing to do with our relationship or communications between President Trump and Zelensky. All it is about is the left wing of America determined from the start, determined from the day that President Trump won the election 
to find a way to get rid of him. This is why we had to go through the Trump-Russia collusion hoax. We had to go through the Mueller report. We had to go through the obstruction arguments. We had to go through the pole dancer payoffs. We had to go through all of these efforts to remove the president. Has nothing to do with questioning the president's conduct everything to do with trying to take him down. And interestingly, when this lawyer was asked, confronted by Fox News saying, you know, well, how do you answer this? You're obviously just a big anti-Trumper. He put a statement out. He said, in defense, this is the lawyer for the whistleblower, Mark Zaid, Z-A-I-D Zaid, put a statement out defending or explaining his tweets. He said, I was referring to a completely lawful process. Those tweets were reflective and repeated the sentiments of millions of people. He's saying millions of Democrats were mad that President Trump won the election, and I was just guaranteeing them we'll find a way to get rid of him. People, if the roles were reversed. Oh, one more thing about the rally. President Trump, his willingness to read those tweets during the rally, to call out this lawyer, to call out the whistleblower hack, to call out Nancy Pelosi and Adam Schiff. Of course, the people who dislike the president say it was so unpresidential, unpre so unprofessional, he didn't, that you shouldn't talk that way. This is a guy, America chose a fighter. When they chose President Trump in 2016, they chose a fighter. They chose someone who was willing to identify the truly damaging policies that have been in place in Washington for decades, the truly damaging mindset in Washington that was the, the elite, ruling elite rule, the people don't get, any, don't get to have their views listened to, the people are ignored, the ruling class marches on, and he called out the swamp, he called out the ruling elite, he laid out a plan, and he is actually executing on his plan as promised in the campaign. This is what is driving Washington crazy because he's actually following through on what he said he would do, calling them out, embarrassing them, clearly embarrassing them. He's willing to point out the things they've done that, that, are, that are just egregious. No president has put up with what President Trump has put up with from the FBI, DOJ, CIA, anti-Trump cabal that went after him with the Russia hoax. It's been an extraordinary uh, presidency thus far. His willingness to come on strong again, Tell the American people, this is ridiculous and here's why. Ask yourself how many Americans would even know, how many would even know that the whistleblower's lawyer was tweeting at the beginning of 2017, we're gonna impeach this guy, we're gonna find a way to get rid of him. None of us would know. It, it would be unknown. President Trump's calling that out, reading that tweet in the Louisiana rally last night was one of the many examples of President Trump being the fighter the American people chose to be president in 2016. And that, my friends, is today's First Five. I want to turn to talk about America's future. I mean, this show is dedicated to preserving, as I say so often, the extraordinary, unique identity of this country, our, this, this experiment in human liberty that the greatest country that's ever been in terms of its commitment to the individual and human liberty. But we had some elections, you know, a couple days ago, we had the Kentucky elections, we have Virginia elections, and we have, for the reason he's in Louisiana, we have Louisiana elections coming up. The point is we have elections ongoing and then we get to the 2020 elections. Very often in our country, you hear after the elections, the uh, 
Democrats cheering if they won something and Republicans cheering if they won something and it gets a little bit wrapped up in the media, kind of the red versus the blue team. You know, like maybe when you had in junior high school when you had the, the uh, gym teacher assign different teams and you had the, the red pennies and the blue pennies. Well, the red state, blue state thing is a very common conversation and it can be a little bit uh, superficial in that it doesn't really designate or doesn't really delve into what those two colors or what those two political parties or even bigger than political parties, what the ideology is behind those parties. And that's what I want to talk about today. I'm going to get to California because what I'm going to talk about now is carried out in California. But I want to talk a little bit about what it means to be the red state versus the blue state. It's not like being in football where you know some fans are really happy because the Dallas Cowboys won, other people happy because the Minnesota Vikings won, or the whatever team you love. The point is, it's not a game, and it's not just a tug of war between two conflicting, equally noble and moral and virtuous entities. That's not what the races are. It's not the red state, blue state reality. I want to talk about what America was meant to be, and I've talked, I touch on this subject many times in other contexts, but the idea of how unique America is, is really behind understanding why it's so important we can not surrender to a blue state majority in this country. We can't, we shouldn't have any more states turning blue. We shouldn't, we should be fighting against the states and the politicians and the states and cities that have turned blue because their ideology, their mindset is simply inconsistent with the idea of America. So here's what I'll tell you about America to start with. In the declaration, we had the, the statement that is recounted Sadly, not enough in public schools, but we're kind of other places, the idea that all men are created equal, that we're endowed by our creator with certain rights, endowed by our creator, endowed by God with certain rights. That is the point of the beginning of the declaration. You have rights because you were born. That is, it was unique in all of world history for a country to found itself on that idea that all of us are created equal. Men and women, each of us, all of us are created equal, with equal rights from our creator. That we have unalienable rights, rights that no one ever has permission to take away from us. Unalienable, cannot be taken away. Life, liberty, pursuit of happiness. On top of that, we have rights spelled out in our constitution, which were really an embellishment of, or a development of the ideas in the declaration. The rights in the first amendment, the right of freedom of speech and assembly and religion, all those rights is spelled out for America the idea that we are founding our country and the right of the individual to live in freedom and to live his or her life in the way you choose and the government's purpose the very reason for the government's existence is to protect the rights of each of us to live our lives in liberty it is an extraordinary unique impossibly important you cannot possibly overstate the importance of those ideas of America's founding. The short, in short, the idea of individual freedom and responsibility under God with government doing no more than necessary and mostly staying out of the way of industrious, good individuals. So the founding of America had the idea about a nation under God, assuming therefore that individuals have individual abilities, freedoms, and rights. We individuals, we carry forth our God-given identity in a society in a free society where we function freely. That was one of the points. I want to contrast that with how 
blue state or left wing thought where it starts from. Left wing thought, the secular America, the secular left in this country, the radical left that has actually taken over the Democrat party, this secular state idea starts from a whole different premise than the America idea. The secular left idea starts from the premise, the assumption that there is no God, that all of us are just wandering carbon units, wandering around the earth, and that we are helpless and hapless and cannot possibly take care of ourselves, cannot be trusted to govern ourselves, cannot be trusted to take care of ourselves, cannot be trusted to be self-reliant and make our way in life. So the secular mindset, assuming God does not exist, therefore assuming that everyone is just kind of a wandering, um, you know, as I say, carbon unit, a wandering uh, DNA unit that has no God-given talents, abilities, and rights and freedoms. So the secular leftist looks at people as, as people as individuals who simply must be housed, fed, clothed, educated, forced, controlled, contained by a very powerful central government. Where you start with the idea of whether about the idea of whether God exists and people have rights from God and they have the right to live in freedom or you think God doesn't exist, and therefore, because God doesn't exist, there's nobody to take care of these people, there's nobody to help them, there's no way they can figure out right from wrong, there's no way they can be self-reliant, so the government has to do everything for you. This is one of the fundamental distinctions between red state, blue state, between conservatism and the Republican Party, and liberalism, or radical leftism, and the Democrat Party. These ideas get carried out in California. My next segment is going to be on California. But I want to continue a little more to try to get deeper into this idea of the radical difference between red state, blue state. Because people often look at politics and say, oh, well, you know, uh, dang, you know, if you're a Republican, the Democrats won. This is really bad. You know, we'll have to fight next time. Yes, we always have to fight. But the more you can grasp the depth of importance, the difference between the worldview of the, of the, conservative American thinker and the radical secular left, the more you recognize every battle counts, every election counts, and it matters when you get it that you tell your friends, you spread this understanding because this is not taught as it should be in our schools anymore. So kids don't really know this. In fact, if anything, they've gotten the left-wing indoctrination in their schools. The other, uh, so continuing on this, you know, when you think how the left thinks about people, the secular left, the anti-American secular left, because they see there's, there's, these people are just wandering carbon units, wandering DNA units, there is no sense of redemption possible. There's, they look at people in their present state of, of life, whatever it happens to be impoverished or you know, suffering from some addiction or some other problem, and all the left ever does is enable, cement into that person that is your identity, and, and you can't help yourself, and you can never move forward, and you can never find progress. So our, the government, if you're the secular left, our job is to enable your homelessness, to agree you're never possibly capable of moving forward in life, of becoming a self-reliant individual. You're never capable of freeing yourself from addiction, whether it's alcohol or drugs or some other addiction that is destroying your life. They don't see people as capable of ever, ever getting out of their, what they see as their identity. On the idea of seeing life and seeing 
America as a country filled with individuals with a God who is our creator and a source of redemption and a source of, of, of uplifting your life. There's a different sense, there's a different and higher expectation about how you look at individuals. The left looks at individuals as hapless, helpless, to be controlled, manipulated, provided for, and kept under control. And the right, the, the right idea, and the conservative right, the, the American idea, is seeing people as having gifts that can blossom, and that they can prog pro make progress, they can progress, they can move forward. It is all entirely um, stems from how you start out thinking about people in life. America's founding assumed that each of us, and obviously I should say only once, obviously we're not talking about people who are physically or mentally incapable of self-sufficiency. We have always, as a loving and good society, taken care of individuals who truly are physically or mentally unable to care for themselves. But the vast majority of us have the ability to be self-sufficient. On the conservative side, the red state side, you find ways to encourage self-sufficiency to inspire self-sufficiency, to encourage people to believe in themselves, to move forward with the notion that in our country, you are given opportunity to become self-sufficient. On the left, the more people are dependent on government, the more they rely on government for the basic human needs, the more they, the left can control those people. The more the left can cultivate a wide swath of Americans who live in dependence on government in dependence on government. They depend on government, they can't function. And the more all the left does is provide more programs, more services, expanded provision of everything conceivable you could need provided for you by the government because they see you as completely helpless, unable to be self-sufficient. Back to the right, the right sees people as having a right to own property. This may seem a little bit, a, a little bit of field, a little, little out there, um, from the, what we've been talking about, but it's really not. If you have the right to live in freedom and you have the right to earn, to work hard, to earn you, and be paid for what you do to get to reap the rewards of your labor, then you have the right to own property. And in world history, the way people were kept down by other economies, other societies, was because they weren't allowed to own property. Just look at the life of slaves or the life of serfs. The whole ability of society to contain someone, to repress their ability to ever move forward, depended in part on concluding those people had no right to own property. On the left, the idea of respect for the idea of keeping the rewards of your labor is totally missing. It is, is gone. And the reason is because on the left, they don't see people as actually owning what they have earned. The left-wing worldview is the government, which is the ruling elite, own everything. They decide what you can have, how much you can have, whether you're, you're, how much of your harder money should be taken away, whether you should be allowed to own property, how much property you can own, whether it should be taken away from you because they don't like how much property you have. The left's view is property belongs to the government. They will make the rules and decide how much you can have and not. The conservative view, the red state view, is that you have a right to personal property, which includes income, income that you earn from your labors. And so we have, you know, I could go on and on, but one more example I'll give. When you have the red state view, you assume people have the right 
to protect themselves. That's why we have a second amendment because people have a God-given right to protect their lives from others. The left-wing worldview is they'll decide what it is you have a right to in terms of protecting yourselves. They would rather be the ones to promise you, don't worry, we'll protect you. We don't, you don't need to be able to protect yourselves. They want you a dependent on the government. They want you weak. They want you reliant on the government. And this idea of a self-sufficient bunch of Americans armed, working hard, owning property, saving money, making their way in life on the pro and, and their own self-sufficiency, this drives the left wing crazy. The very purpose of government, if you have the blue state view and the right state view, is 180 degrees opposite. It's important to understand these kind of basic ideas before we get to, because we talk on the show all the time about policies. I, and I, you know, I can policy wonk with the best of them. I love reading policy and discussing it and getting the nitty gritty, but you know what? You got to pull back from big policy disputes and political arguments about various issues that they do matter. But when you get this bigger worldview, the blue state mentality at this time in America, the blue state mentality is government control of everything, the willingness to only permit individuals to have the liberty as much as the government wants you to have, but not any more than that. The government owns property. They decide what you can have. The government will protect you so you don't have to worry about protecting yourself. And you don't really have the right to own anything or demand anything without the government deciding that you need it. The conservative, the red state view is exactly what the founders intended America to be. Where the Democrat America is today, blue state America, left-wing America is radically off. Radically, it, it has uprooted itself from anything connected to the ideas of America's founding. This is why the left is so dangerous in this country today, because they don't embrace the ideas of the founding. And the Constitution, as an example, the idea of the Constitution was to put in place a structure of government to take those precious promises that the Declaration of Independence spelled out and to say, because people have these rights and this inherent right to live in freedom, we're going to create a government structure, the Constitution, that is going to give definition and structure. It's going to, it was designed, the entire structure of our government was designed to perpetuate, to allow, to implement what the Declaration said. This is why the left hates the Constitution so much, because the Constitution, if follows, radically limits the power of the government that the left wants the government to have. The left in this country, and I'm not just talking about, you know, your grandma and grandpa who vote Democrat their whole life. I'm talking about the people who run the American left, the very anti-American left, which has completely absorbed socialism, completely absorbed cultural Marxism in their platform, in their worldview. All of the rights the founders created are antithetical to what they want to do to America. It's that radical, it's that different, and you got to understanding that, understand that uh, going into everything we talk about. So last thing on the judiciary, when you have judges in our country who are appointed by conservatives, by the red state mentality, you appoint judges who actually follow the Constitution because I see the Constitution as the outgrowth, the guarantor, the structure that protects individual liberty. Judges appointed 
mostly by Democrats, the blue state thinking judges, think the Constitution interferes with and is a bothersome uh, annoyance in interfering with the power and determination of the American left to grow government to a radical, radical control over our society. And the Constitution, if followed, limits what the left wants to do. This is why left-wing judges appointed by Obama and Clinton and other Democrats never want to follow the Constitution. I could go on and on about this, but I think, I know this is a little bit uh, esoteric or a little bit kind of, you know, big world view, but to understand the blue state, red state thing is a red state's freedom, Blue state is tyranny. Red state protects the rights of individuals to live in liberty. Blue state says, we will let you know exactly what liberty you can and cannot have. Those distinctions are being played out in California, in blue state California. And now I want to turn to talk about the topic I wanted to hit today, this next segment, was on California. And could California really be America's future? And I want to hit some of the things that are going on in California. Because honestly, I think sometimes you can say, or people say across our country, well, you know, California, land of fruits and nuts, they're kind of extreme. California is simply living out in practice. It's a demonstration for America. It is a, a preview of what America could become if we do not contain leftism, if we do not fight leftism, if we do not stand up against a blue state mentality that has completely consumed California. I have a spate, I have a lengthy list of points about California. I'll start by saying California is the, is the, the, the pinnacle, the ultimate of blue state thinking. Everyone who has elective office in California at the state level is Democrat. Democrats have a majority. Uh, they have nearly a two-thirds majority in the Senate, I think it is, and over two-thirds in the House of California. They have their system, they have the free-for-all election system. So no matter how many people run for an office, whoever you know, they don't have primaries like, like sane people do, where you might have two different um, parties, you know, Republicans and Democrats, maybe Libertarians. California, everybody runs, top two vote getters go to the uh, runoff. The top two vote getters are always Democrats or usually Democrats. So Republicans have no chance of being elected to anything in California. And this is set up by the left. And again, I wanna remind you, the left, the blue state mindset is about control. It's always and forever about control over the people. So this is one policy they use to implement that idea. They are going to keep the left wing, the blue state America, the Democrats in charge of California. Let me just tell you some of the, the mess California is in. And we read these stories, we read you know kind of summaries. I want to just tell you really what a mess it is in California. The government is pretty much, you know, people use the expression neo-socialist. It's pretty much socialist. It defines and decides what people can own and it's very controlling cultural Marxist kind of thinking. Okay, California has 40 million residents, four zero, 40 million. They have okay, nearly half, nearly half of the taxes that go to the government of California are paid by less than 1% of the income earners out there. So few, less than 1% of Californians are supplying almost 50% of the state income tax. So when people get tired of California's income tax and move away, 
Point is, California is very dependent on a tiny segment of their population. A tiny segment keeps them alive. So they have all sorts of ridiculous, they have, they're way behind their infrastructure, they haven't built reservoirs they need to build because they're do, too busy spending their money on all sorts of social justice things. Um, so on the subject of the population in California, I said 40 million people, roughly a quarter of America's entire homeless population is in California. So America has, you know, a homeless population you know, spread across 50 states. Nearly a quarter of them are in California. Of all the Americans who live on dependence and public assistance, of all 50 states who live in dependence on public assistance, one third of them live in California. One third live in California. One fifth of the population in California lives below the poverty line. One third of Californians, one out of three people, is in, enrolled in welfare in the form of Medi-Cal, which is the state's health care program. So the state creates these massive social programs that give everything away for free. And so naturally, people who are wanting to live off the government, who do not wish to become self-sufficient, move to California and stay in California and stay on dependency programs. 27% of the people in California were not born in the U.S. 20% are there illegally. Okay, how bad could this be? Why would that be a problem? So you have, first of all, the, the, the mindset of California, it creates emboldens and encourages people to be dependent on the government. It's a government that has fewer and fewer people working and the very high income earners pretty much fund the government. So you also have in California, the kind of um, the mindset of the left, this is another blue state, red state thing. Red state minded politicians recognize the purpose of elections is for the people, we the people, to choose elected officials who go to Washington or Sacramento or Austin, wherever the capital is, and they're supposed to carry forth the will of the people. Now, I'm not bragging about the Republicans in Washington having done this as well as they should have, but I will say following the will of the people is consistent with the structure of our government and the mindset of the red, the red state mindset. The left, on the other hand, is so driven by ideology, so driven to foist their version of what they want America to be, that they don't listen to Americans or their voters. They don't listen to, they think they are the ruling elite mindset, and again, Plenty of Republicans do this too. But on the left, it is part of their ideology. Their thinking about government is not, we're elected to fulfill the constitutional requirements. We are elected to listen to the people and carry forth legislation that, you know, that follows the will of the people. The left thinks their intent, their purpose, the reason for they exist is to control the people, control government, control the people. So the left never listens to the people. So I'll give you just a couple examples. When President Obama was president and he had a Democrat majority in the House, Democrat majority in the Senate, and they pushed through Obamacare. There was polling at that time, it's in my book, my book is called Ladies Can We Talk, polling that showed a majority of Americans, even a majority of Democrats, 
kept saying in response to polls, no, 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 no. Don't do this. We do not want this. We do not want government controlled health care. We want our freedom. We want health care freedom. But the left is so driven by their ideology, they didn't care what the American people wanted. They're so driven to create government-controlled society, so driven to deprive individuals of freedom, they pass Obamacare. But back to California. So California has had uh, various referendums where they, people vote on things that they actually want. So in California, they had uh, support for the death penalty on the ballot in California in 1972, 78, 2012, and again in 2016. The California voters support death penalty. Every time they bring it up, the California voters say, yes, we want the death penalty, we believe in the death penalty. But Governor Newsom decided regardless of what the voters said, he single-handedly imposed a moratorium on the death penalty. He's saying, I don't care what the people think. On top of that, the American left is ranting and raving all the time about guns and how they want to take away America's guns. But Newsom, confused, I guess, about what his party's role should be, Governor Newsom recently decided that he commuted the sentences of 21 convicted felons 21 convicted felons, most of whom who used guns to commit a serious crime and commuted their sentences. And so the citing, citing the unfairness of a criminal sentence being enhanced just because he used a gun committing a crime. I mean, the people in this state do not, they, they like the death penalty. They, anyway, so this is Newsom. I want to also hit what's happening to California's economy. So California is suffering from people actually leaving for years and years and years. Every 10 years, we have the census. Every 10 years, California grows. So therefore, they get more and more people representing them in Congress as the, as the intent, the purpose of the, of the um, census. So in California, they're actually suffering people leaving. People leaving because they don't like the high taxes. They don't like the idea that the government has passed all sorts of policies we'll talk about in a moment, such as providing free health care to illegal aliens. So when Newsom is generously offering free health care to illegal aliens, he's offering that the taxpayers in his state, the working people, the law-abiding, working, income-earning people, earning that income, which is their property, he is saying he's going to take away their property to give it to illegal aliens who had no right to be there, and he's going to provide them free health care. So California is losing citizens, especially they're losing taxpaying citizens. So in just one recent year, between 2013 and 2014, over a quarter million people moved out of California, many to the state of Texas. That quarter million people who moved out in just that one year between 2013 and 2014 had been taxpayers in California to the tune of $21 billion. Even the ones just coming to Texas had been taxpayers in California to the tune of $2.19 billion. So this idiocy of leftism is create free programs, keep taxing, tax the hardworking, and the hardworking are moving away. And no one in California in that Democrat blue state mindset says, you know what? Maybe we better stop spending all this money we don't have. Maybe we better stop providing free everything for everyone because the hardworking people actually are leaving. They don't like it. This never ever occurs to them. Uh, you have, of course, a problem in California. We've talked about in the show before, and it's a little bit gross to say on air, but I'm going to do it. California, especially the city of San Francisco, it is no longer a punishable offense in any way 
to relieve yourself in public, to defecate or urinate in public, on public sidewalks, on public streets. So San Francisco is so filled with people having, with the, uh, what is left by people when they do this, when they relieve themselves in public, they actually put out for tourists a poop map. A map that warned people where not to go because too many people have been relieving themselves in public. Instead of, and again, this goes back to that blue state, red state thing. When you have a red state mentality, the assumption that people can actually be taught to behave responsibly, they can actually be taught right from wrong, they can actually learn, they can actually behave, then you say, hey, you know what, we don't allow that, so we're going to write you an infraction this time, next time you might sit in jail overnight, you got to find someplace else to go. The, the mentality of the left is that secular, anti-American left is these people can't help themselves. They, they can't learn. They're just incapable of figuring out where to relieve themselves. So we just let them do it in public, driving away tourists. Just imagine if you you host a business, you own a business there, you can't stop these people from doing this in front of your store. Who wants to go in those stores? Oh, which leads to another story about California in San Francisco. What began because city of San Francisco will not do anything about the homeless camping on sidewalks, relieving themselves, making a disgusting mess outside of businesses, businesses in an attempt to protect themselves, started a boulder art war, meaning they would bring in big boulders, like big rocks, and they would have someone paint on it. And so it was boulder art. But the point was, it was to prevent the homeless people from having sufficient space on the sidewalk in front of their stores to camp out to set up their tent and camp. And so the city of San Francisco, oh, they were just hand-wringing and fretting and scolding and this is so intolerant. How could you do such a mean thing? And so, you know, the city keeps removing them, people keep putting them back. Another example of blue state, red state. The blue state mindset is you humor the homeless, the drug addicts. Oh, there's needles everywhere all over San Francisco. The place is disgusting. But the blue state mindset is you humor that, you enable it, you remove all punishment for it, and what you're really doing is punishing the hardworking, honest business owner, you know, worker, person who goes to work every day and comes home and does not wish to find homeless people camping in the sidewalk in front of their home or a mess of all kinds left on the sidewalk because the city won't regulate it. I mean, it's almost, I mean, I'll tell you folks, I really mean it. It's like a level of insanity, actual insanity. The, this city government is getting money from rich people who pretty much to be really clear, the Nancy Pelosi's of the world, the really rich folks, they live in gated communities. They live free of all of this chaos their policies have created. They don't deal with those policies. And this is another element of left-wing elitism. Even the, the socialists and the communists, you know, Castro, I've talked about him, and Maduro in Venezuela, all of those communists, which are just socialists with a gun, all of those people are extremely wealthy. They don't live under the policies they create for their people. They have expensive getaway, hideaway, lovely places. They have millions in the bank. Castro, Maduro in Venezuela, 
these these people and also i mean i can't go off of that but many other countries the point is ruling elite never live under the policies they inflict on the average everyday working american so california people using terms becoming pre-modern and they literally have a problem with bubonic plague in la they have so many people camping out in the sidewalks living in tents relieving themselves everywhere, uh, no, no, apparently no ability to contain it. Um, they have uh, this foul map that was created, actually the other entity that created a foul map, I was gonna put up as honestly, it's too gross to even look at, Forbes magazine put out a map of San Francisco with all the areas you can't walk, which is pretty much all the areas. Getting around the last point about blue state, red state, and then I'm gonna hit one other topic really, really quickly, um, which is in America, back to the idea of the founding of our country. We had a concept that we were creating a country. It had to have rules, laws about citizenship. It had to have borders that define the country. It said within these borders that make our country, we make the laws and these are the laws. This is what citizenship is about. The idea that if you live in this country, you have to, you're a citizen, or you have some other legal status to be here. And as a citizen, you agree to embrace our values, our American values. If you don't want to embrace those values of freedom and free enterprise and self-reliance, you know, go live in a communist country, but don't, this is what our country is. But as we have abandoned borders, as we have oh, in California, sanctuary state, whole state's a sanctuary state, no cooperation with the ICE people. So all of California filled with illegal aliens and the numbers are, you know, it's something like 5% at least of Californians, people living in that state. And that's, a, a, no, it's like seven or 8% are illegal aliens. But California, all sanctuary state, they just had a Ninth Circuit panel uphold that, say yes, actually, they're allowed to be a sanctuary state. So you have an entire state saying, we're not even gonna comply with federal law with the existence of the, the concept of an existence of a country. And folks, I could go on and on about California. I will say two last things before I get to my last little topic. One is, unbelievably, I love California. My husband and I met there and we were both working as lawyers in the same law firm. We have family there. We're out in California all the time. If it didn't have the extraordinarily beautiful ocean and beaches and an unparalleled lovely climate, it would be a wasteland. No one would live under those policies. People stay there because the weather's fantastic, the ocean's beautiful, the terrain is lovely, but the ruling elite are destroying that state. And this is my last point before I get to my last topic. My last state, my point is this. California could be America's future. Everything you see about California, and I didn't even touch the education system is a disaster. I mean, there are many other, the LGBTQ agenda is, is strangling the schools. I didn't even get to that. But the whole of America could be California. And it's, it, when we get along uh, kind of too cavalier, too unconcerned about blue state, red state, we think, oh, it's just a trend, one election, then the next election it might change back, blah, 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 blah. It's very hard. I don't know how California will ever emerge from being what it is. I don't know how we'll ever get back on the American playing field. I don't have any idea how they can do it. I would like them to do it, but everyone, or more and more people who work hard, 
leave. They don't want to live there. And so California ought to be, you know, we hold up Venezuela as an example of socialism. We ought to hold up California in America to say the rest of America does not want to be California. We don't want these policies hurting our precious, extraordinary, unique country. Last quick topic for today, and this is a very, very quick topic before we get to why it matters. You know, I get asked a lot, when I, especially when I give speeches, you know, where do you go for information? People, I'm, I'm always telling you, telling you, our listeners, you cannot trust Washington Post, New York Times, ABC, NBC, CNN, all of the you know, mainstream media is just out to get not just out to get Trump, they are out to get him, but they are out to get conservatism. They're really out, they're in bed with the blue state mentality. They're in bed with the blue state mentality. The big government control over everything is the only answer. Big government control is what they think is vital and necessary and that the people are too helpless and hapless and, and incapable of self-governance. So they have to take power over everything into their hands. The media is in bed with the American left, with the blue state mentality. So I'm going to just give you a quick list of where I, I go to listen to, um, where, where I go to find good information. Besides this show, America Can We Talk, where I always will talk truth about America to you factually and honestly and as thoroughly as I can in the short amount of time I have. But here are the websites I love. American Greatness, American Thinker. By the way, this is going to be in our Why It Matters. You can, you can uh, get a screen grab from that. American Greatness, American Thinker, Conservative Review, Conservative Treehouse, Daily Signal, Daily Wire, Epic Times, The Federalist, Fox News, but only Hannity, Ingram, and Levin. Levin, Mark Levin, sorry, Mark Levin, Hannity Ingram Levin, Gateway Pundit, Lucien, Powerline Blog, Rantingly, Secure Freedom, Stein Online, and Town Hall. As I say, you can see that little list when we do our Why It Matters, but there are a lot of sources you can go to to find truth. And if you're becoming concerned about America's future, as I hope you are, as I assume you are, if you listen to this show, those are places to go, find information, grab good articles, send them to your friends. That article I talked about the other day on the show that had to do with Phil Graham and his breaking down how income inequality is a big fat lie by the American left, big fat lie, another lie determined by the blue state mindset to say, make people feel guilty and upset and so so they're gonna surrender their income and their net worth and their money in order to give it to the government. That was a great article. Take articles like that and send it to say, hey, I read, send it to your friends with a link. Hey, I read this article. What do you think? That's a great way to be an activist right at home from your computer. Now, with very little time left, I'm going to turn and tell you why these stories we talked about today matter to you. And so Trump's boldness at that rally in Louisiana was simply wonderful. President Trump calls out the coup endorsing lawyer for, uh, for the whistleblower. He single-handedly makes sure all Americans know or can find out. It was brilliant. Everything about Schiff's impeachment scam is part of a plan, a deceit concocted by many of the same actors who concocted the Russia collusion coup plot. Impeachment hoax is a race against time, trying to get ahead of the Barr-Durham investigation and its likely indictments of coup plotters. They want this impeachment so far down the path that you won't care what Barr and Durham come out with, but we're going to care. No president in living memory has had to withstand such treachery. President Trump is a brawler for America and against the swamp. American patriots love him for it. Blue versus red future. The American heritage is life under one creator. All men created equal and women created equal. 
unalienable rights of life, liberty, pursuit of happiness, freedoms, including speech, religion, property ownership, many more. Government exists to protect individual rights and freedoms that come from God, a sovereign nation with borders and citizenship standards. In short, individual freedom and responsibility under God with government doing no more than necessary and mostly staying out of the way of industrious good individuals. This heritage once lost is nearly impossible to regain. That's why the stakes are so high in 2020. That's why there is America Can We Talk? A blue America's future in California, why it matters to you? Productive, law-abiding Californians are fleeing the state in droves. The distinction between citizen and illegal immigrant is eviscerated. Voting rights, education, we didn't even talk about that. Okay, can't get off on, I gotta roll. Voting rights in California now being offered illegal aliens in non-federal elections. Voting rights, education, healthcare benefits for everyone, paid for by you, the taxpayer, and therefore higher taxes. An infrastructure in a state of disrepair, if not collapse, San Francisco actually once a honeymoon destination, now a subject of poop maps, needle dispensaries, and receptacles, with the city government in denial about where this is heading, or worse, taking sides against the tax-paying, law-abiding citizens who complain about it. A single party, secular government that knows nothing but wealth redistribution as a means to solving any dysfunction with resulting budgetary fantasies. And a blue America's future, California can't have it. Leftist worldview, aggressively secular government abandons the core American belief in the capacity of individual citizens for self-government. What follows? Individual sovereignty is out. Group identity is in. Morals are replaced by orders and rules and regulations at a minutial level. Success isn't a product of hard work, persistence, or creativity. It's a product of winning life's lottery. That's the leftist worldview. Therefore, Government is not to be limited, say the leftists, is to run everything for everyone because all but a few elites are too ignorant to know how to do it. Last thing, then this is where the media is, that and the media sources I trust. I don't want to have we necessarily read them again because we are going to be running out of time, but I want to tell you that if you grab a screen grab, check out these sources. There are probably more good ones, but these are great ones to go to and so that you can understand how important it is. Um, you. Uh, you need to understand how important it is to seek out truth yourself. Don't wait for the uh, anyone else in media to tell you. And that, my friends, we're past time to end up the show. Thank you for listening to America Can We Talk, where I talk every day about the important, unique, extraordinary identity of America because America matters. I'll talk to you next time. Can We Talk? Truth about America.